Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans welcome to the parastyle podcast on a monday we got a good show for you today and an unexpected bye week over the weekend obviously with the covid 19 concerns usc and uh, colorado did not happen that was announced on thursday on thanksgiving so hopefully it didn't spoil your thanksgiving but it looks like things are going in the right direction this weekend for usc washington state we're going to talk about that upcoming game and having an unexpected bye week just thrown in the schedule and what that does for a routine for a college football program with the coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com, to find all of his shows. If you have any questions or comments for us on the show, podcast at USCfootball.com is the email address. You could also call or text us at 424-254. 9141. And if you have Apple podcasting apps on any of your devices, please uh, subscribe to us on the Peristyle Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating, any kind of review with comments, feedback, suggestions. That is really appreciated. It does help us to grow the show. And we've been growing through this kind of crazy 2020 season and didn't get any crazier for USC than last weekend. Learning a couple days in advance that USC and Colorado Two undefeated teams of the Pac-12 South would not be playing. So we're going to talk about that first with the coach. But coach, how are you doing, sir? I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did, and thank you very much. And I hope everybody else did. And I hope everybody was smart and safe so that uh, you're able to uh, enjoy uh, the holiday season and enjoy what we have left of college football, Ryan. Yeah, well, they're, uh, it's going quickly and you know, losing a game in the middle of that. Uh, game four for USC, the Trojans were 3-0. Colorado came into the was coming into the game three and zero. They had missed their previous week and didn't have enough time to reschedule, and so they were ready. They had their finger on the trigger, I guess you could say, Coach. Uh, knowing that USC was dealing with a COVID outbreak, we were hearing positive things on Wednesday, and then boom, uh, another positive test comes in. If you get three tests in your organization and you're not like a medical institution. Um, it's basically considered an outbreak by Los Angeles County. They had too many people from the offensive line in quarantine and they had to shut it down and not play the game. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on all that coach, how it went down and uh, you know, how disappointing something like that is for players and coaches. Well, Ryan, uh, you can imagine how disappointing it is because I could tell you how disappointed I was. And I think all of the people and yourself were disappointed. You get all worked up for a game. You got it down on your calendar as far as the time of the game, and you're ready to go. And, and then all of a sudden you hear the news that the game has been canceled. Well, you can imagine what that does to a coaching staff and to players who have worked so hard during the week as far as following the guidelines, preparing for the game, the game plans, and everything that's going on. You only have a certain number of games you're going to play anyway, a shortened season, and then you have one that's postponed, and you know you're not going to make it up because there wasn't any uh, by dates or anything uh, that was in the scheduling process by the Pac-12 to be able to let that happen. So you can just imagine how difficult that is. And then the question 
on whether your next game is even going to be played. So you go through a real depression, the same as I did. I did. I really did. I had a big letdown because my shows and your shows were all structured and my thoughts around my Saturdays and Sundays and organizing my days. Well, if you do yours that way, you can imagine what all these coaches do and all these players do and how they think and prepare and get ready for a football game. The things they work for all year round, a thing they, they spend thousands of hours as far as preparing for. So again, it's the same thing that these kids have been through as far as the changing of the schedule several times and the delaying of games and not knowing if you're going to play and then the testing procedures, which if you're part of, if you're positive and you're part of the offensive line, like supposedly it is at USC, that whole offensive line's got to be quarantined if you're with it for 15 minutes or whatever it is, which is sometimes ridiculous. So I think you look at the whole process and you just wonder, uh, if the schedule was put together right, uh, did the Pac-12 wait too long as far as as far as uh, scheduling games? Uh, did they should they've had bye weeks in there and certain things and all of the above? Yeah. Or should you take your team out of town and practice out of town, or play the game at, in another state? Go to Colorado and play there. Colorado had a game there this weekend, as far as with San Diego State. So you know, there's a lot of things you look at as far as as a football coach. So I think it's it's really difficult for a team. It's difficult for the fans, for you and me and everyone out there. And it's a difficult thing to get back and start doing again, especially when there was that question, are they going to be able to play the Washington State game? And now they've sort of made an adjustment to make that happen, we hope. Yeah, so, like, and, and you mentioned the Colorado game. So what Colorado did was, and I, you know, we put some of this information in the war room. I actually got a call from one of the guys that was working, was supposed to work a game against, um, it was uh, Air Force and Colorado State. Colorado State ends up getting an outbreak. And so Air Force has an open date. Uh, I mean, this was a pretty late call. They reach out to San Diego State and San Diego State, it sounded like they already had plans to play Colorado. And this was before USC Colorado was canceled. Um, so that was... That was interesting, but you knew that they, you know, Colorado didn't want to miss another game that wouldn't be their fault. Um, you know, it's we're not saying it's anyone's fault, but they they didn't have, they were ready to play, and they didn't have the outbreak in their on their campus like other programs that they were playing had. So they would like to play. They end up doing a as soon as USC canceled, they essentially had San Diego State lined up, and uh, they end up winning that game. Um, but we'll we'll talk about the conference race and why that doesn't really matter for the the Pac-12 South, USC actually being in better position, not having played uh, Colorado, risking the loss. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting because Colorado gets to play a game. They at least get to, you know, work, you, you want to play as many games as possible. You give these kids experience, get the players and coaches, everyone doing what they want to do. But as far as winning the conference, if you look at the tiebreakers, uh, the, an out-of-conference game doesn't matter. It really counts about your division record. And USC's had one more division game than Colorado has. So USC's still in the driver's seat, even though you know Colorado would be undefeated. There's nothing Colorado can do. If USC wins out and Colorado wins out, USC wins the tiebreaker because they have that extra uh, division game. So in the end of the day, if you're talking about just trying to win the conference, not playing Colorado uh, didn't really hurt USC, and it did hurt Colorado because that was Colorado's shot to win the division. 
No, I agree with you there. I do. I agree. Uh, but you want to play, and uh, and uh, yes, it's a loss to both programs uh, as far as being able to challenge yourself, have two undefeated teams play, find out who's really the champion, win it on the field, not by uh, these laws or rules that they put together, win it on the field. And uh, I think that's part of accomplishing that. You never want to back into a championship. It's not that you won't take it, but you like to own it. You like to don't you want anybody saying if this happened and if that happened, we beat your butt on the field, okay? And that's the way it goes. And the same thing in the North. They're having these same type of uh, things happening in the North Division of the Pac-12. And I think I just mentioned it to you off the air that I said I told everybody three weeks ago when I watched Oregon play Stanford and was down at halftime and then they were down at halftime with Washington State and they got some great breaks to get back in those games, interceptions and fumble recoveries and so on, that I didn't think they were the team that they've been in the past and they're not. And I said that I thought that USC, if they utilized their talent and did what they're supposed to do, could win it all. Even when the championship game, well, that proved out. Oregon State beat them. I don't know how many people watched that game, but, but did a great job of winning that. Congratulations to Jonathan Smith out of Glendora High School. Was a quarterback there and played also at uh, Oregon State when they had a great team under Dennis Erickson and beat Notre Dame badly in the Fiesta Bowl. So uh, a lot of parity, a lot of parity in the uh, Pac-12. I'm not quite sure how good the Pac-12 is. But there's parity, and uh, USC right now, if they were to play properly and get back in tune and and do some things uh, to make themselves a better football team, I think they got a real shot. Remember, uh, what's his name? The Harris, the running back from Alabama, was the number one running back in the country. I don't know how many people watched Alabama play this past weekend without Nick Saban and how dominant they are in the running game, what type of football team there is. Well, if I remember properly, Stephen Carr was the second or third best running back in the country that year. And you look at one program and you look at Carr and you say, now, which player developed the most or had the best success as far as emphasizing the running game or utilizing the players and all of the above? So these are the things I look at, too, as far as the development of the players, where the program is, where the program should be. And uh, USC is a program that should always be in the same uh, category or same name dropping as Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, and these type of programs. Yeah. Uh, so let's. We mentioned the Washington State game. So we were actually doing a tunnel vision show uh, on Sunday night, like we normally do. Now we weren't able to recap the game because there was no game, and Keely Yord's producing and hosting the show. And I'm on a text thread with her and uh, Chris Trevino, and they're both hearing from their sources that this Washington State game was going to be moved to Sunday. And so we're actually doing the show, and they're like trying, like, I feel bad for Keely because she's trying to host and produce, but also check with sources on, you know, if this is going to happen. And then we get word that the Pac 12 is actually going to announce it during the show. So maybe about 10 minutes or so before we, before the Pac 12 announced it, Keely and uh, Chris broke it on Twitter. And we broke it on the show saying that they were going to move the game uh, to Sunday. And that was going to help with contact tracing and stuff like that. And then, you know, while the show was going on, the Pac-12 did make an announcement and USC put out a statement um, about what's going on. And essentially what it comes down to is there were four 
players total that tested positive for the coronavirus, a couple were asymptomatic, a couple symptomatic. Um, then, you know, so it got a little worse. They have seven people in quarantine. So that's 11 people total. Uh, but to move the game from Friday to Sunday, giving some of those initial players that either tested positive or were quarantined the opportunity to come back. Now, they're not going to be able to practice until then, and they still have paused team activities. But for right now, that game is moving uh, from Friday to Sunday. It's going to be a 6 p.m. game on Sunday on FS1. If you remember, Cal and UCLA played at 9 a.m. on a Sunday on a rescheduled game. This isn't rescheduled. This is just pushed from Friday to Sunday. But in that case, they're going to, they're, you know, that that's the attempt that what they're doing right now. And for USC, they'll get a couple of those players back. It's interesting because if you actually get the virus, a lot of times you can come back quicker because of the CDC's guidelines to have a 14-day quarantine um, just to be safe. All the data I've read is that you, you're actually, you know, you can get it with, you know, between five and seven days seems to be more reasonable. 14 is a, a little bit overkill from, I mean, I've had doctors and stuff that I've read articles on tell me that. But right now, that's the CDC guideline. That's what um, the Pac-12 is using. Uh, LA County is using. So, um, yeah, so I think that's where USC is right now. But they should be able to get some of those players back. Uh, probably won't be able to practice really until, you know, or play in the game. But that should be a positive sign for USC. But if you, you know, if USC-Washington State happens on Sunday, Coach, uh, I'm not expecting a fully healthy offensive line or a fully available offensive line. But this is just their attempt to make this game more likely to happen. Like you said, there's just no, there's not that many games. So what are they going to do to try to make it happen? This is what they're trying to do. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I like it. I like it. I like a Sunday night game. Uh, I like it. You get national uh, television exposure. Uh, the NFL is basically done, except except for the late uh, Sunday NFL game. And a lot of people like college football better than NFL football. And I think it gives people a choice to go back and forth, if nothing else, and watch a couple of great football games. I think uh, I'm excited about it. I just hope it happens. Washington State, now they've been off two weeks in a, in a row. So, you know, they've had some time off, too, where they haven't been practicing uh, as far as playing the game. So uh, they, you know, they travel on the road and uh, we'll see what happens with that game. But, you know, looking at this game, I think the Trojans should be a favorite. and They will be when the odds come out. I haven't looked at up yet or anything, and they should win that football game. And uh, they should be eager. They should be rested. It's home game. They're in first place. They have so many reasons why to win that football game more than Washington State. And that's what I would be preaching to my team. Look what we have to gain. How can they want this game more than we do? There's no way. I mean, we go to 4-0 and we're in command of our own destiny. I mean, please, guys, let's line up and kick some butt. And that's the way I'd be talking to them. And, uh, and uh, that's the way we'd get ready to play this football game. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they do to kind of get ready uh, for it. Uh, you know, I think Washington State, having missed the Apple Cup, they'll be chopping at the bit. They have their own issues too, so you know, we'll see if this is able to happen. There's definitely not a done deal, but just like you know, the Wednesday before the Colorado game, there was some optimism after being some pessimism. There was a lot of pessimism for the Washington State game. Now there's more optimism, but this is COVID nineteen. Anything can happen. 
They could get another outbreak, whatever. Uh, but I think coming off the two weeks of travel, USC's had a good plan in place um, to try to uh, you know mitigate any of the risks. And uh, they've, I think they've done a really good job so far. Um, you know, when you're traveling and you're on a plane, the, because of the rules, and it was interesting, uh, John Wilner put this out there. They uh, and he talked to some of the you know, athletic directors and, and pr- chancellors in the Pac-12. Why are, is the Pac-12 having all of these cancellations um, when you said daily testing was going to be a, a game changer going in? And they really felt it was, but there was a, they said there was one word that changed, Coach. Basically, what they did was change the definition of close contact. So that's when the, the daily testing was supposed to kind of eliminate the need or you know, re- reduce the need for contact tracing because you're testing all these guys every day. But what they did was change the, from my understanding, change the definition of close contact. So it's 15 minutes consecutively before. So if you if you and I were within six feet of each other for 15 minutes consecutively, we're close contact. They changed that to cumulative. So if we're over like a two-day period, if you and I have been in the close contact for 15 minutes total, then we'd be considered close contact, which doesn't seem to make sense from what I've read about virus transmission, but they changed the language and that really put a lot more people into these quarantine situations that were healthy and didn't have the virus, but they weren't going to be eligible to play. And they're actually out longer than people that actually that get the virus. So, um, which makes me a side thought, coach. Like, if you're in quarantine, like, would you rather just get the virus and then be cleared and then get out of it quicker? I don't know. That's just that's terrible. But um, I don't even know why I said that. But that's just but that's the kind of things people could think about because these quarantines are are so long. But anyway. They changed the rules, coach, and that's why you're seeing so many guys be out, and that's why we're seeing some of these games get canceled because they're healthy players, but they have to be held out for precautionary purposes. Well, that's a Pac-12. That's all I want to say, okay? The leadership and the thing of the Pac-12 going overboard can change everything instead of really following a pattern of what's best for the student-athletes and what's best as far as getting people back and healthy and ready to go. And, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Uh as far as close contact, a total of 15 minutes uh, with, uh, for a period of time. Uh, you're with 15 minutes. Uh, uh, well, I don't want to get into that, okay? Yeah, some of it doesn't make sense. Obviously, people are trying to figure out the science. That's why I've tried to read as much as I possibly could. No, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an epidemiologist. Uh, you know, I like to read the articles and see what people are saying and what they recommend. And there, there has been a recommendation for the CDC to move it to 7 to 10 days, which seems a lot more reasonable and still would have padding in there, but you know, who knows? But if you mention anything about changing restrictions, people get mad at you. And so, I mean, I'm just telling you what I've read from different doctors out there, especially with, this is not general society. Like these are players that are in a highly controlled environment and you like it or not, they're being tested every day. There's a lot of resources being put into it. So they're going to be safer. They're not going to be the same kind of, threat to society as you and I would be if we were not going to follow the guidelines because we're not getting tested every day like these guys are. So I think you have a much more control over this, which kind of leads me to the next point. Um, Santa Clara County doesn't affect USC. It does affect Stanford. It affects the 49ers. They, They put a ban for any contact sports over the next three weeks. Well, the 49ers have two home games. They got to practice. They can't practice. They can't play. They're moving to Glendale, Arizona. 
Uh, John Wilner was reporting that Stanford could potentially be moving to the Pacific Northwest so they can practice and they can play. To me, Coach, that doesn't make a lot of sense where you're you're trying to protect your county, but you're going to have all these people travel somewhere else and go from their controlled environment where everything is regimented to somewhere else, make everyone travel. T- to me, you're putting more people at risk by putting a ban in place for this instead of just saying, like, you know what? The NFL, college football, you have these systems in place. We're going to trust that your systems are working. Stanford hadn't had a positive test, I think, since July. Now you're going to move them out of state. It doesn't – I mean, some of this stuff, Coach, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I feel bad for the Stanford players, for the 49er players, their staffs, all the stuff, that logistical stuff they're going to have to do. It's going to be a nightmare just to abide by Santa Clara County's uh, you know, new order that came out. Right, and it's been happening at uh, other locations at other teams. You take the University of New Mexico. I don't know if I've spoken on this. On They've been living in Las Vegas the entire football season. They're staying out of Lake Las Vegas at the Hilton there, and they play all their home games at the other stadium in Las Vegas, the Rebels Old Stadium, the Sandboy Stadium. And when they go on the road, they fly to Hawaii. They come back to Las Vegas. They go back to their hotel. Same thing uh, when they go to other way games and they come back and play their home games at the Sam Boyd Stadium. So in order for them to have a football season, they, it was necessary for them to leave the state because they had that same type of gathering. I think it was you cannot have more than seven people together or something at one time. So they moved uh, their entire operations to Las Vegas, and uh, that's what they're doing. So, you know. Uh, you've got to remember, and as you said, these probably these kids are the cleanest kids as far as being tested than any family or anything anywhere. And but they're forced to do that, and they're willing to pay a price to do that. And it's very costly now, guys. It's very costly to move in a hotel and have separate rooms and be fed separately and still follow all the things that are necessary as far as keeping your players safe. So, yeah, some schools have the financial. Uh, uh, ben, uh, ways to do that. I don't know how they're doing it, but uh, absolutely they're doing it. Yeah, and it's and you know I know there's going to be people that are very um, you know I, I've had friends that have had the the virus. I get it. I'm not not taking this virus seriously. I don't want that to be the the message here. To me, it's either you decided to play college football. The reason, and here in the West Coast, in the Pac-12, is because you have these systems in place to keep the players and the coaches safe and to keep them from making the problem out in society worse. Uh, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where we have, there's a, in Manhattan beach, or I think it's El Segundo, there's this, uh, uh, oil. There's like, I believe it's a refinery and it's like this kind of factory looking thing right on the water. And people were worried they were going to pollute the ocean. And they actually, from what I've read, make the ocean cleaner because they take a lot of water in from the ocean to cool things in their factory or whatever their plant and then have to clean the water and put it back out in the ocean so they're actually it's almost like a filtration process there so they're not making any kind of pollute that not that pollution doesn't exist they're not making the pollution problem worse stanford playing football in santa clara county isn't making the outbreak worse because they're keeping things you know they're keeping all these guys tested they're isolating people as soon as they know what's going on. There's not asymptomatic people running around uh, Palo Alto, going to sushi and getting people sick. They're making things better. So not recognizing that from a local government perspective, I get it. If you think college football shouldn't happen, you're 
could be right. You're, you're probably, you might be right. Who knows? There's so many games that have been canceled. But if you decided to go through with it, it's because of all these precautions that have been taking place to now upend those and then make people move out of state where you're going to really, you know, drive up the possibility of people getting sick and, and spreading the virus. It just, it doesn't make it, if you're really worried about public health, this is the last thing you'd want to do, in my opinion. I, I'm, I don't know why I'm going to soapbox on this one, Coach, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, uh, we can move on, but it's just structure. People don't uh, vary anything. This is structure, and uh, this is what we're going to do, and that's the way we're going to do it. And a lot of these people don't understand a lot of these things. Uh, but, again, we all care about the safety, and I'm one that always follows it 100%. And I hope everyone out there is doing the same thing. Uh, one last note on the Pac-12. It looks like Arizona State could be back. If you remember, the Trojans and the Sun Devils played in week one at 9 a.m. Seems like forever ago, but Arizona State has not played a game since then. Um, interesting enough, all of USC's opponents, Coach, have not won a game yet. So uh, Arizona State's only lost the one game to USC. Arizona's lost all their games. And uh, why am I blanking on the on the other one? Uh, Utah lost. They lost to Washington, even though they had a lead, a 21 nothing lead up in Seattle. So not that those teams have played a lot of games outside of the USC game, but none of, no one's won a game outside of that. But it looks like ASU uh, could be back um, this weekend, which would be you know a good thing. It's just you feel bad. Utah was the last team in FBS to play a game. Um, Arizona State, they played. USC couldn't play Cal, couldn't play Colorado, couldn't play Utah. They might get UCLA this weekend. So we're hopeful that that one happens. Well, I hope so. And UCLA, uh, you know, if you're a UCLA or Bruin fan out there, I don't know, you might hate the Bruins. I tell you what, they look improved. And this young kid, Griffith, the quarterback, I think has done a great job. And they're running the football really well, which takes the pressure off of him. So, you know, I think they're improved. So uh, the Trojans have got to keep improving, too, because they've got them, uh, what, in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and UCLA does look – they do look really good. So um, I'd love to see them you know, tune up against ASU and see what they look like after a few weeks off. Um, one more piece of uh, breaking news, Coach. So USC got a commitment flip. Uh, Cryon Ware Hudson, he's a four-star wide receiver from Modern Day High School. That was a Oregon commitment, and his brother is on the team. So uh, he ends up switching, and USC, you know, has been sort of lacking in the the wide receiver department. Um, there is a, you know, they had a commit, they had a longer commitment from a kid in Texas that is, you know, they're probably going to be parting ways for one reason or another. Um, but getting a big local, uh, highly rated prospect that was actually committed to Oregon is, uh, is a pretty big move, uh, for USC. So congrats to the, the Trojan coaching staff. They were able to, uh, flip a good one from a, a PAC 12 rival, uh, you know, from a USC feeder high school in modern day to bring them to USC. Congratulations. Whenever you get a better player, you become a better coach. Isn't that a funny thing? <laughs> when you have, when, huh? Isn't that a funny thing? So uh, I'd like to see him get some uh, five-star, four-star alignment, too. They, they could have a better uh, opportunity there to be good coaches, too. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and answer some questions. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, this is from... 
Don, who's uh, it's funny, we have two questions. We've got one from uh, one of our more pessimistic listeners and one from our m- probably most optimistic listener. But uh, we'll go with the pessimistic first. Don says, Clay Helton must qualify as the unluckiest coach of the year. He didn't get a chance to beat Alabama and Notre Dame, got at least one game canceled, yet still must be regarded as one of the top coaches in the country. He was on the Bobby Dodd list with the potential to be the coach of the year, possibly getting a contract extension and a raise. Now we may lose Helton in 2023 to another Power 5 school. Do you think USC should go ahead and give him a raise and extension so they don't lose him to another school? Regards, Don. Sarcasm there. Uh, Let me address something real quick, Coach. That's the one thing I see with USC fans the most is they're really worried because USC's done so many dumb things in the past uh, that they're somehow Clay Helton is going to get a, an extension and then a raise again. He got a big one a couple of years ago. He's in this ironclad contract that's going to pay him for a while. You don't have to worry about another extension happening. The new athletic department is not going to do that. If he goes to the playoff for a couple of years and wins like a national championship, maybe. But going like 3-0 and in a pandemic against three teams that haven't won a game yet is not going to get him an extension. So I think a lot of that coaches, people just being so, I don't know, they're just so pessimistic about things. They're just like, oh yeah, they'll just give him an extension now and he'll be around forever. Um, Don, get what you're saying, but no, don't that don't expect something like that to happen. Well, I think it's uh, just shows you when you have that type of sarcasm, the lack of uh, uh, belief in, uh, in 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 your administration as far as uh, what they've done over the past several years, as far as hiring of their athletic directors and the way they've done certain things that people have lost their uh, support and lost their confidence in them. And uh, they, they're saying this because who knows? This is something they could do, but they, they've had a pattern of doing dumb things. But as far as an extension, Curly, right now, as you said, Ryan, that, that is something that's farthest from the truth as far as if they know what they're doing. And I think Clay Helton understands that and wouldn't ask for that. He's got a nice contract. And I think winning and, uh, and taking care of your, uh, your current contract and what you got going on is the most important. And, and I don't think anybody would even consider that. That's if they're in their sane mind uh, there at USC, which I hope they are. And I, th- I agree with Coach. That's really the, – the fans have lost support and confidence in the athletic department and the administration um, because there have been so many bad decisions in the past. I can't tell you that Mike Bone's going to be the greatest athletic, di- athletic director in the world or the greatest one that USC's ever had. He'll be the best one USC's had in the last couple of decades. <laughs> I, I can I can confidently tell you that. Um, does that mean he's great? I think it's way too early to tell. He came in really into a just a crap storm of problems to deal with. I think he's made a lot of good decisions um, so far. I think they're they've made some good choices, but some of it is just you're not able to overcome the bad choices that were made before he got there. So I think you have to give the administration some time. You have every right to be pessimistic because USC's done so many poor things over the years. But I think you have to give these guys some kind of opportunity to, you know, they've they've hit some singles, like we've said a bunch of times. Um, it's going to take a while 
for them. There's a, you know, there's a 10 run deficit out there. So you got to hit a lot of singles to overcome that. Um, and it's going to take some time. The pandemic certainly didn't help. That's sort of, you you were already in like a, you know, it was like Sharknado. Like you're already like surrounded by sharks in the ocean. And now, oh, here's a tornado to throw in there too. Um, they, they have problems on top of problems on top of problems. So I, you got to give them some time. They've at least brought in people that have done this job before, as opposed to former football players that you heard their name. Um, I wanted someone that you didn't hear their name. I wanted someone that just has been an athletic director and has dealt with athletic director you know, department problems and Mike Bone has. So will he be the greatest? Hard to say. Is he going to be a lot better than what USC's had? Yes. So I would say give him some time and, and let him try to fix some of the, the issues that are going on in the athletic department. Well, I haven't had the opportunity of meeting him, talking to him. I've invited uh, him uh, as far as through the sports information department to be on my show. And they seem that he, at least I don't know if he's had the mess, got the message or not, but they tell me he doesn't have the time, but other PAC 12 uh, athletic directors have the time. So I'm not quite sure knowing what's going on there, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I'll pick up the phone and, and give him a call and see if he would be. Maybe he's not getting the messages or they're protecting him or whatever. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, like I said, I can't make a commitment. I, you've heard me talk about the offensive side of the football, and I don't really uh, believe with that philosophy thoroughly. Uh, I don't think you can throw the ball. You take JT Daniels. He threw the ball 16 times this last week, and they've adopted the offense at Georgia to fit his style, and they're winning big. And Georgia's going to be great. You don't have to throw the ball 50 times a, a game to win football games, okay? He's going to be a star down there. JT, JT, JT. That's all you're hearing about now. And I don't know, I'd like to see, you know, USC run the football and believe in it more and go under center. Like, uh, I don't think it's too hard of a thing to, to teach since I think Mike Bone was a quarterback coach or played quarterback. Maybe he can go out and teach it since the others can't and uh, be able to do some of the things that are necessary to do and uh, where you don't have enough time to teach it. There's things like that that when I hear comments like that, I, I laugh. I laugh when you have, what, three? I think Clay Helton played quarterback. I think John Baker played quarterback. I think Graham Harrell played quarterback. Uh, maybe somebody could teach a guy to go under and take a snap, okay, either in preseason or pre-practice or whatever. So when I hear comments like that, I start to wonder, and I have a question mark on just uh, what I'm looking at coaching-wise. And on the defensive side of the football, I haven't seen enough of what I'm expecting to see as far as the – overall improvement like i say the kids play hard i don't want anyone to think i don't think the kids play hard but i i want to see what the schemes are and uh and some of the things that are happening and and where they're playing certain players and all of that before i can make a decision on whether the staff's been improved okay i'm just being honest with everyone all right uh well, we got one last question for you coach let me play it curtis from moreno valley Second thought on Oregon losing to the Oregon State Beavers, who had two losses already. A win is a win. A loss is a loss. There's no excuses in football. Why didn't Oregon just let their talent win the game? You know, the excuse you use when we beat somebody and we didn't look good. Well, the talent did it. 
Well, Oregon's got more talent than anybody, right? What a joke. A win is a win. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis, well, Curtis what's, a, what's a no contest, Curtis? What's that? And, uh, I mean, Oregon doesn't have more talent than USC. USC has the most talent, according to the 24-7 compositing, just so you know. But, yeah. Right, go ahead, Coach. What, get your thoughts on that. Well, I'll tell you what. I think Jonathan Smith is doing what they can do. Let's give him some credit, okay? First of all, they, they're not afraid to let their best player carry the football. Jefferson from Narborn High School. They're not afraid to do what they can do as far as play action pass, run, uh, run the football, get a few breaks. Oregon uh, uh, fumbled the ball and threw some interceptions. Uh, allow Oregon State to be in a position to win the football game. They drove the ball down to win that football game, so let's give them some credit. And Oregon is not playing that well. In fact, when they won their first two uh, games, they got all the breaks, okay? So uh, I think that uh, Oregon State played one heck of a football game against Oregon, and Oregon didn't have a great football game, and probably had a different, they were thinking about what uniform they were going to wear next week and uh, didn't have their mind really focused on the game and the rivalry and what it meant and didn't get a great performance out of their quarterback who had turn, turnovers and Verdell, their best running back, I don't think played and uh, their defense was uh, soft. So, uh, you know, and uh, I didn't see their talent really reach the level when you, uh, that uh, they should be playing at. So, uh, I, I give uh, Oregon State credit, and uh, Oregon, uh, they've got to go back. And if you listen to the head football coach talk after the game, he thought they stunk it up. And as far as I'm concerned, I'd be telling my team a little bit more than that, okay? But I give Oregon State credit. I think they did a great job in game planning. And who touched the football all the time and the running game? Yes, that young man named Jefferson. Yeah, he looked really good. Um, you know, one that got away from USC in Southern California, we saw Oregon and Stanford kind of be close early and then Stanford was, you know, they were out there starting quarterback and then Oregon, you know, blew them out. Uh, we saw, you know, Oregon, I mean, Washington state play Oregon really tough early on. And uh, you know, Oregon comes back to win that game at the end. Same thing with UCLA, um, you know, and it's a situation where Oregon had a big lead on Oregon state and they blew it. And uh, in the second half, which, you know, just, you wouldn't think like a running team like Oregon state, was going to be able to do something like that, but they did. So I, I, I agree with coach. You give Oregon state a lot of credit. I think as you're talking about wins and win, I mean, that just depends the kind of person you are. I would think where if it's the NFL where you have like these even schedules and you're 11 and five or you're nine and seven, you pretty much are what your record is. And if there's some close wins or whatever that, you know, are lucky ones, you know, that's, it's fine. It's not a beauty contest because you're just going by your record. College football is more of a beauty contest because it it you rely on polls. You rely on people judging you to make strides and to be able to win a national championship. You can't win a national championship by just being undefeated. We've seen teams go undefeated and not win a national championship. Why is that? A win is a win, right? Well, not that's that's not the case. A win is not a win if you can win all your games and not be invited to the playoff. And that's the case in college football. And if you've done anything competitive, you know, if, if me and coach Harvey Hyde play golf together and I'm a single digit handicap, which I'm not, uh, I'm 13, but if, and, you know, and coaches like a 25 and, you know, I beat them by a stroke. I don't feel good about myself. I'm a much better player than coaches. And I just barely beat them. Or if you're like some 
top chef in uh, you know New York City, and you get put in a cooking contest with like the short order cook and a dude that works at Applebee's, like heating up stuff in the back, and you win, but like your food isn't very good. It's it's the best that was put out there, but it just wasn't a great meal. Do you feel good that you beat these other two people, even though you know you didn't put out a great meal? If you feel good about that, that's fine. You can think that way. I don't think that way. And I think a lot of competitive people don't think that way either. So I get what you're saying. You think a win is a win. In my opinion, it's not when when the the, the, the pageantry of how you win matters. I don't know what you think, Coach. Well, I, I'm going to say one thing. You uh, exaggerate a little bit on uh, my ability as far as a golfer. <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to give it away, but I double that maybe, okay? okay. <laughs> My ante up, and maybe 100 would be about right. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're 100 and I barely beat you, I would not feel <laughs> good about that. Like, it was like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's all I'm saying, you know? Like, sure, I beat I you. I won. Is that a win? Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I beat a guy that's really terrible at golf and I'm pretty good, you know, I yeah. But, it, you know... It, were you ever like that coach? I mean, as a, as a coach, when you were coaching? Oh, it's 100%. 100%. Uh, those games that we have won, and I'd go in the locker room and and uh, get everybody in front of me, and we'd say we'd be practicing uh, Sunday morning. And they'd say, what? And there was one time I made a statement. I changed my mind. The coaches talked me into it, or somebody did, maybe the AD, that I said, when we, we won the game. I said, when we get back to Vegas or wherever we were, when we get back to Vegas, uh, everybody go to the gym. We're going to practice. Yeah. This was after the game. I mean, really. And we won the game because uh, you have a certain uh, responsibility as a player and a coach to get out and perform to a level. I remember when we went to the California Bowl, we had all these events we had to go to. And I remember we went out and we had a practice. This when I had Randall Cunningham and he couldn't throw it a 10-yard out in the morning practice, okay? We had one practice scheduled in the morning because we had some event to go to in the afternoon. And I got all out of, I went out, I went ballistic, okay? I canceled the afternoon. We practiced that practice. said, you don't deserve to go to any events. We came back on the field. We practiced again because we had to get their head back into the game. This was not a vacation. We were out, we were there to play a football game. So there's <clears throat> there's certain standards that you must demand from your coaches and your players and your businesses that you're in. There's a certain percentage that you need to have and perform at. And if you're not getting the players to play at that level or your coaches to coach at that level, then it's your responsibility as a head football coach or an owner to or an owner of a company to make it happen. Yeah. All right, coach. Well, hey, great stuff. Um, thanks for everyone for sending in questions and uh you know i know we don't get to talk about a game because there was no game this past weekend but still plenty of news around usc and the pac-12 uh thanks for uh being with us and coach thanks for coming on well thank you very much and again everybody out there let's enjoy sunday night football that's what i'm looking forward to usc and washington state at the coliseum that might be a first at the coliseum i don't know but uh i'm gonna watch it I will watch it as well. Um, and so we'll probably do our, our regular show on Monday. We've been doing some Sunday, some Monday. Obviously, we're not going to do Sunday because the game is Sunday. So probably do our regular show on Monday. So we'll have more of an instant reaction, I guess you could say, uh, after the game. But that's the coach. I'm Ryan. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. 
The Rose Bowl Legacy Foundation preserves, protects, and enhances the future of the Rose Bowl Stadium as a national historic landmark. America's Stadium has hosted two Olympic Games, with a third one coming in 2028, two World Cup Finals, five Super Bowls, and the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl since 1923. It is the epic center of college football and is the most iconic stadium in the world. To learn more about how you can support the Rose Bowl Stadium as it turns 100 years young, visit www.ihspire, which spells inspire2022.org. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.